Galatians, uh, we have looked at different churches, uh, and as we look at these churches, there's a certain rhythm that we have seen uh, for the past several weeks, and we'll continue to see these, uh, this rhythm as well. Even today, we're going to see that rhythm, and the rhythm is this. Um, the rhythm is there is an exaltation, and there is a warning. There is something that the churches are doing really well, and the Spirit of God is challenging them to pause and think about what else they need to be doing better. And it is my hope that the Spirit of God has been affirming you as we have studied these scriptures, that you've been able to hear God saying, well done. At the same time, you've been hearing the Spirit of God nudge you in your heart and saying, maybe you need to work on this. It is our hope uh, that we would be sensitive to God's uh, Spirit each day. Let us pray. God, open your eyes to your word that... Our meditation of your word would draw us closer to who you are. We ask all these in your name. Amen. So today we are looking at the church called Sardis. I want to keep calling it Sardines. Have you ever played Sardines? Nobody's played Sardines? All right, I need to see hands. Anybody? One, two... All right. The, one of my friend's um, church, he goes to a Baptist church. He was a youth pastor there. And in their bylaws, it was written, you're not allowed to pay sardines in the pipe organ chamber. That was actually a law. So anyway, if you have not played sardines, you're missing out on life. You can talk to me later. I can pray for you. So anyway, the church of sardines, right? The church of sardines uh, is what we're looking at today. This church is a little different from some of the churches that we have looked at, uh, like the church called Pergamum uh, that we looked a couple of weeks ago, the church of Tyreda that we looked at last week, Pastor Joanne talked about it, the church of Ephesus. Uh, this church um, is a little different. The other churches, uh, the other cities in those churches were thriving economically. If you look at the map, um, these churches, uh, Pergamum, Ephesus, uh, in Smyrna, all of them are on the coast. Uh, they are in prime trade route, and the Romans loved that, and there was a lot of attention and focus given to those cities because the more trade happened, the prosperous the city was. So, so there was a lot of focus, but Sardis, not so much. This city actually was declining uh, and not prospering. They we're not doing really well. A, a little quick history about the city of Sardis. Sardis is a Hellenistic city. It was where Greek culture at one time, Greek culture and Greek mythology was really, uh, it was a place where all of that stuff happened. And now the city has kind of lost its glamour. And uh, real quick, uh, we all know Alexander the Great, just say yes. All right, thank you. All right, Alexander the Great, when the guy ruled, he pretty much conquered anything and everything that he saw. And one of the things that Alexander the Great did was he wanted to spread Greek culture all over the world. And he did that. He did that really well. And when he died, his kingdom was broken up into four different regions. And one part was called Kingdom of Cassandra, Kingdom of, some of you history majors are going to Kill me for butchering this word. Uh, Lysimachus, uh, kingdom of Platomi, and the kingdom of Seleucus, or 
the Seleucid Empire. And the Church of Sardis was part of this region called the Seleucid Empire. And the Seleucid Empire essentially contained of our present-day Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Central Asia. And the church and the city of Sardis was known, was predominant uh, in that time, in that during the reign of Seleucid, uh, during that time, they were predominant, they were known. But the Romans couldn't care less about them. And they were kind of like going through the motions, if you will. So this city kind of started to do what every city that was once prosperous does. You know what that is? You all say no, and then I can speak, right? All right, thank you. All right, today you all are so attentive. I'm loving this. Thank you. All right, so, so this is what they did. This city was declining. Economic prosperity was not what it used to be. It was no longer the hub of Greek culture and mythology. So what did they do? They started to sit around the imaginary campfire and talk about the good old days. They talked about, remember when things were really wonderful in this city? Remember, remember then we did blah, blah, blah. Remember those days? And that's all they focused on. And that mentality, those golden days, of thinking about the past and being sentimental and reminiscing all the wonderful things. That, that ideology, that, that culture, that mentality slowly started to creep in to the church as well. And this is what some churches do. Remember when we used to, remember when things were so beautiful. Remember when, you've heard those stories, right? Remember, that's what the church started to do. And the Spirit of God is kind of upset about that. See, I, for one, I love history. I love history. And whether you like it or not, this morning, um, I kind of talked about history. Did you guys notice that? Right? I talked about Alexander and how his kingdom was broken up. I'm just drawn to history. I, I love it. I studied church history for a long time. And I get excited when I read history. But the problem is not being excited about history that this church was doing. What this church was doing that was not right was its current identity was its history. Its current identity was all about the past. And the Spirit of God is saying to them, wake up. You're pretending like you're alive, but you're dead. You're pretending to have this great reputation about your past. And the Spirit of God is asking them and saying, what is it that you are doing for God's kingdom now? How is it that you are proclaiming the good news of the gospel today? Forget about what you did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. The charge against this church is what is it that you're doing right now? And the Spirit of the Lord is calling this church dead. In verse 1 we read, and this is a pretty hefty charge, that the church of God is dead. The Spirit of God is saying to them, stop pretending. Stop pretending that you're all put together when you're not. You're nothing but dead. The church is pretending. 
See, this church, Sardis, has allowed pretension or hypocrisy to enter its fellowship. Hypocrisy is such a personal thing, in my opinion. No one knows you're a hypocrite. Really, when you think about it. Because you can be vocal about certain things, but no one knows that you're a hypocrite unless otherwise you share with your somebody significant or you're confident. And sometimes hypocrisy can be caught, right? When our words don't match up with our actions, it becomes visible. And this church, I think, was caught in that. We get caught in hypocrisy when our words are played back to us. When we realize that we have not been true to our words, we find that we are two-faced. And the Spirit of God is calling the church of Sardis to change and repent. The church is called to be authentic. I love this phrase. It says, wake up. Wake up, church. The church of Sardis is called to be authentic so that its words and actions and motives all line up to reflect the mandate of Jesus Christ. What we have said, what we think, and how we act all lines up to what Christ has commanded us. This is what we read in verse 2. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. The Spirit of God is saying that you have to start working. Stop being a hypocrite. Let your words and your actions and motives be a reflection of what Christ has taught us and exemplified for us. This is the call for the church to repent. Repent. Wake up. Church. We cannot live in the past. We cannot pretend. We cannot be hypocrites. See, if we don't repent, this is what we read. Verse 3. Revelations 3, verse 3. I will come like a thief, and you will not know at that time I will come to you. I will come like a thief, and you will not know at that time I will come to you. That sounds scary to me. That sounds scary. You know why it sounds scary? Because it is scary. You see, many times we, when we have said yes to Jesus, we think about that God is good and God is loving and everything is roses and unicorns and butterflies and more rainbows, right? And we forget the side of Jesus. This, we forget this truth that we are called to repent. And I hope you kind of get a chill in your back because when I first read it, I got a chill in my back. God is calling us to repent. If not, I will come like a thief and you will not know when I will come. Have you ever been robbed? Have you ever experienced a, a house burglary? Anybody? This is one of the most traumatic experiences anybody can encounter. A good friend of ours, um, they, their house got robbed. They lived in the suburbs and they... We're like, just like any other suburban neighborhood, if you will, 
they, and like, you know, their, their home was just like yours and mine. You know, they entered through the garage. Whenever they went to grocery shopping, they closed the front door. They did everything you and all can do. But then this one day, they got robbed. This one day, this awful day, they got robbed. And I got a call from my friend saying, hey, we just got robbed. And when I showed up at the house, my friend was literally shaking from this experience. Their entire house was in disarray. And I kind of wanted to go in to help her put the house back together. And I said, I was trying to walk up the stairs and the cops wouldn't let me go into the house. And my friend was shaking from this experience. See, my friend is a devout Christian and she knows that her treasures are in heaven. She wasn't upset because she lost a couple of things that were dear to her, some valuable. So she wasn't, she wasn't shaken up because of that. She was shaken up and she was so upset because she didn't expect when she went to the grocery store that morning that she's going to walk into a house that was burglarized. That's what shook her. That's what upset her. Amen. She's saying amen. Don't worry about leaving. She's fine. <laughs> All right. That's what upset her. That she was not ready for this guy to come in and ransack her whole house. And she was shaken by that. And guess what my friend did after that experience? She got ready. And now she's ready for a burglar to enter through her front door, her side door, her windows, her garage. She's got an alarm system. She's got cameras. And she is ready. She's like, come on in anytime. I'm going to catch you. Right? So Christ here is saying, I'm going to come like a thief. And it's our response whether we're going to be ready or not for him. Are we ready to encounter Christ? Because Christ must be showing certain areas in our life that we need to be prepared. Are you ready to encounter Christ? Are you ready to meet Christ who will come like a thief? Are you ready to align your words and your actions and motives to the mandate of Jesus Christ? And then there are a few in this church who have lived out the mandate of Jesus Christ, who have, that Christ has put forth for us, for their actions and their motives, reflect what Christ has taught. See, John tells us that these individuals have not soiled their clothes, that they are dressed in white, meaning that they are pure. Their deeds and their words are pure. They have lived a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on their life. Despite all the challenges that this church of Sardis was facing, these few individuals were hanging on to their faith and they have overcome the challenges that were there. And God says to those individuals, I have a reward for you. The Spirit of God tells us that their names will not be struck from the book of life. See, we as Christians, we believe that our names are written in the book of life because of what Christ has done for us. It is not something that we can gain by our deeds or boast. It is all the work of Christ. We know that to be true. But then 
for those who stand pure, who face the challenges of this world and are pure, there is a reward. There is a reward for them. See, when we read the book of uh, the Gospels, the Gospels is a story where Jesus' life is told. Jesus often talked about the end times. Um, it's called, the fancy word is eschatological language. Jesus talked about end times. Jesus talked about when things come to an end. He said this over and over. When the kingdom of God is revealed to us, when I will come in my glory, Jesus spoke of these end times all the time. This is nothing new for us as Christians as we read the book of Revelations. But Jesus over and over again talked about a reward in the Gospels. And here the Spirit of God is saying the same reward. And the reward is this. For those who have stood by Christ, for those who have lived out the mandate that is put forth for Christ, for those individuals, Jesus said he was going to give them a reward. Jesus said, when I come in my glory, I will recognize you. In other words, I will boast about you. Jesus looks at these individuals who have been faithful to him. He's going to look at them and he's going to say, well done. He's going to stand up. And say to those who have stood for justice, who have battled hate with the love of Jesus, for those who are peacemakers, Jesus is going to look at them one day and he's going to say, you've done good. Let me brag about you. Let me brag about you in front of my heavenly father because you have done what I've called you to do. Let me brag on you. Let me say to everybody, and in Revelations, there's even more better. There's a bigger reward. Not only is Jesus going to brag in front of his father, but he's going to be bragging about us before the angelic realm, before all the angels. Can you imagine standing there and Jesus saying, you've done good. You've done good in front of God, the Almighty, and all the angels. Jesus is going to say to those who have stood for that which is right, you've done good. He's going to brag on you. That is the reward that awaits us. That is the reward that awaits each one of us who has stood for what Christ has taught us. Friends, this morning I want to invite you to this. We come to a crossroads. And I want you to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you today. It's the Spirit of God putting a light on you and saying, maybe you need to repent in this area. It's the Spirit of God saying to you, you need to change this. Wake up. Wake up. Or it's the Spirit of God saying, you've done good. I'm proud of you. You've done good. Maybe hear God's Spirit speaking to us this day. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, the Spirit of God, speak to us.
shine your light on our life and speak to us.